This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Hey, cheaters, welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Podcast, brought to you this week by Bet Online. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? Pop quiz hotshot. There were two strikers in the entire Premier League that scored goals in game week 25. Can you name one or both? <laughs> wow. I mean, if I sat down and like had like, I actually was not ready for this question and I, can I name even one? Oh my God. Uh, no. It, wow. <laughs> it is. It was such a wild game week. I mean, strikers as classified by the FPL game. And we have two. Mm-hmm. One, of course, is the immortal Glenn Murray who scored the tying goal against West Ham. And mm-hmm. the other is new boy at Aston Villa. Mbwana Samata. So that tells you almost everything you need to know about Game Week 25 that's now in the books. Mm -hmm. You know, the odds came out for, uh, you know, the most likely goal scorers for this weekend, like the betting odds that came out a couple of days ago. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, it just gets posted on Twitter. There's about 20 different names that are listed there. And I think it was like 19 out of the, basically everyone but Mo Salah, you know, well, one out of the 20 people who are most likely to score this weekend actually scored. Uh, And, you know, thankfully, I guess, I mean, you know, we've had some pretty swingy game weeks over the last few game weeks and pretty much. In most cases, I know some people went with someone like Sergio Aguero, but in most cases, we all got we all had Salah, we all got to we all captained him, we all got to celebrate together. Uh, that late that late second goal just sort of brought everything over the top. You know, it was a beautiful. Yeah. Fine. I mean, how much time was left in that game? Right, it was about thirty seconds or something like that. So it was a glorious end to that match. 
Sala's been doing that quite a bit the last month is getting the garbage time goal that really mm-hmm. only helps fantasy managers and right, Liverpool right. have already run away with the results. But yeah, to predict anything that that kind of happened with the big FPL assets in game week 25, relatively impossible, which leads into the theme of this week's episode. Yeah, the theme of this week's episode is so every week we put out a call for questions on uh, on social media and we do it on our Slack for our, our patrons. And uh, we, we get, you know, I mean, I'd say easily like 100 plus questions each week. And uh, I go through and I filter out all the ones that I think that we can't answer, like they're just sort of impossible questions to answer. Uh, and I have put the impossible questions in the running order this game week. So this week, you and I are going to try to answer a bunch of impossible questions, okay? Because I think we've joked before in this podcast that when it comes to most questions, most fantasy questions, the answer is it depends. And you kind of have to pretend that that's not the answer. So this week, we're going to give real, I mean, definitive, okay, Brandon? I'm going to give definitive answers to these impossible questions. But first... Quick game week twenty five score check. How did you do? How was your game week? Are you, are you happy? Are you, are you whatever? You know, <laughs> how are you feeling about things? Well, everyone, I think uh, midway through the Saturday fixtures was uh, like halftime of the the mid midday kickoffs, feeling yeah. pretty terrified as to what was going on. Like, is this really going to be one of those weeks where I struggle to score twenty points? Yeah, and. We talked a lot about wildcarding last week, and I myself was kind of like very tempted to wildcard because I was seeing a lot of issues that I wanted to fix, Mane, the Mane injury and Greenwood up front. I opted to not wildcard, and I just made a simple defensive transfer. We talked a lot about Jamal LaSalle's last week as a bargain at mm-hmm. 4.2, Newcastle. Yep. Definitely able to defend on their day. So I brought him in for Diego Rico and I made this transfer after we had like painted the town red. We <laughs> really just we just went to one bar and never left. One restaurant and never left. All of they all actually of had, they actually had to ask us to leave. Not because we were being disruptive, but just because they were like, We've got to go home. Uh, yeah, so well, it was like they were like the neighbors. Like they were like the neighbors. <laughs> it was like the neighbors can hear you now. You have to leave. It's like that. <laughs> uh, it's like that song "Laid" by James. It was great because we had a moment, and uh, well, first of all, I mean, it's you and I have been friends for a long time, long before we recorded, long before we started doing this podcast, and we have a tendency to get together and basically just talk about the podcast and fantasy and all that stuff. And I was like, no, we need to go out and just not not talk about fantasy for one night. And so we go to this, this bar called Olmstead in Brooklyn. It's very, you know, it's a restaurant actually, a very nice restaurant. Uh, and they have a, like a bar kind of outside. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's obviously it's January here in New York and it uh, starts raining. So everyone that was outside came inside. Uh, and we kind of had a plan that we were committed to going outside. And so I was like, well, Brandon, go check and see just how, how bad the rain is out there. Uh, and so you went out and you came back in and you were wet and you were like, you know what? We're Michigan men. We can do this. So we just stood outside. Yeah. Yeah, So we just stood outside the rain for like three hours and drank. It was, it was great. I was very happy. Not only are we Michigan men, but we're also in training for our UK visit that's happening the first week of March. So if we're not capable of standing out in some drizzling mist, then, you know, we're going to be in real trouble. That's true. uh, That was was good prep. That's very good. That's very true. (laughs) Um, So. All right. So let's let's bring the bring this back to my game week. Yeah. So um, 
the the Newcastle clean sheet um, was great. And then, like what happened with my triple captain on Salah in game week 24, basically no one else in my team is doing anything, but the captaincy of Mo Salah absolutely saves my game week. So a couple of clean sheets from Trent and Lascelles, and then the armband on Mo Salah brings me up to 57 points, and that's 10 points above the average uh, which, you know, 47 points as an average, it's, you know, that's not an easy game week. So mm-hmm. I'm feeling, I think you had said to me before we started recording that it was one of those game weeks where I really couldn't have done any more than I did. It's right. like, like a, uh, that'll do pig sort of, uh, situation. So I had my babe pig in the city game week with 57 and I'm keeping my green arrow streak going. This is five green arrows in a row. Granted, I moved up a whopping 6,000 spots overall some around 285k still uh, green. but we continue in that right direction yeah it's still green how about you how was your game week yeah it was uh it was pretty good uh i finished on 73 points overall i also brought in jamal Asales. i brought in mo Salah finally and after not having him for uh the double game week uh and you know it's it's so like you know so obviously last we didn't record after game week 24 ended up kind of a you know really a tough spot with uh, with money going out and um, and then Salah uh, getting the goal assist and three bonus um, at midweek, um, and so you know I, I ended up dropping about a hundred thousand spots after after all that, um, and I was around one hundred sixty something or one hundred sixty three overall, um, and so uh, yes, I finished in seventy three this week. And Firmino, who I brought in instead of Salah, I kept him in my squads. So I got eleven from him, I got six from Asalas, uh, Captain Salah, uh, six from Pope, six from Alexander Arnold. Um, and so it was just a very, very strong game week. Uh, I ended up jumping about 60,000 spots. I'm up to 104,000 overall. And it feels like it was a great, yeah, obviously it was, it was like a bounce back week and it feels good to, uh, um, to bounce back and sort of, um, I don't know. I had a moment after Thursday where, you know, I think I talked to you about this on Friday, but I was like, I, I just, I, I want to like just stay positive here. And at the very least, if I, if I can't be positive, I don't want to to like step or step in anyone else's fun, you know. <laughs> and I just I, I think sometimes uh, if I'm not doing well, it's like I want everyone to know it, you know. And I want to like uh, explain why if you're doing well, you got kind of lucky or whatever. And um, like I just <laughs> I just don't want to play that game anymore. And yeah, so right, um, right. and and so I really didn't. Uh, thankfully, like the sell stuff happened, and you I like you just like took over the Twitter feed, which I think was like the smart move, you know, because otherwise it was going to be too, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it was going to be, sometimes I just need to too, take the wheel. Like, all right, Josh, yep, give me the keys. Exactly. You know, too just snarky. sit down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so in the end, you know, it's just a good reminder though, that, that one game week, uh, even if it goes worst case scenario ish, you know, the one game week is not going to define, uh, a 38 week season, right? Even if, uh, you know, one of your triple, even if your triple captain kit, you know, chip goes bust, it doesn't matter. It's not going to define your season. So, uh, so that was good. And um, I feel like now I can kind of move on from game eight twenty four and just, um, you know, prepare myself for this bizarre two week game week uh, that's about to unfold. Um, a very, I think there are six match days, uh, which is crazy. It's it's like an, it's almost like it's a it's like a game week international break like smooshed together. It's a very strange <laughs> thing. I'm uh, viewing it as yeah. like an anti double game week, and that it's going to take almost as long as a double game week, but we're getting yeah. half the fixtures. Yeah, it's. I think the game week starts this Saturday, right? If I'm not mistaken, um, we're going to talk more about it when we get into the the main feed of the podcast. But yeah, so we have two fixtures on Saturday, two on Sunday, and then a few days off, and then it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, 
the like the four day weekend of Valentine's Day, right? Uh, the fourteenth or seventeenth are when those fixtures take place, and uh, so Brandon culminates as 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 it always should with a President's Day match, uh, Chelsea Man United <laughs> play in a great a great President's Day clash. Uh, it's actually too bad that James Madison is not playing on the uh, president. They should have set that <laughs> up, a, right? That's <laughs> a very good point. That's an yeah, excellent point. Yeah, maybe maybe next time. So um, that's that's how we did this game week. Uh, I think we're both feeling. You know, pretty positive going into game week 26. Um, and uh, but we're neither of us are anywhere close to the top of the always cheating super league. Brandon, I normally make you read these off, but I'm gonna do it myself this time. Okay, are you uh, ready? You're feeling the energy, yeah. Okay, let's go. <laughs> I am. All right, so here's the always cheating super league top 10. Congratulations to all the managers. We have some new names in here as well. Jay Ling's AF in 10th, tied for Titan 10th, actually, with you and I, Emery. Uh, in ninth is Crib 3, Trib 3. And I'm doing I'm doing team names, not real names this time, Brandon. So if you, you want your real name listed, you gotta actually put it in your team name from now on. Okay. Uh w- Willie Score Another is that's a good that's a pretty good team name. Uh in, in eighth place. Uh, Do you think that's a reference to Willie Caballero? I'm trying to think of other mm. Willies I know in the Willie Willie Loman. Yeah, I don't mm. know. A great death of a salesman reference <laughs> in an FPL team name. Thank you. Yeah, I know. That's you see you see a lot of them, I think. Um all right. Cinda Cinda Contit in seventh on Ecumenical Mana in sixth. Uh, Blist- yeah, that's that's another good one there. Uh Blister sixth and fifth, team exclamation point in fourth. Wesley Crusher is a presence in the top 10 uh, and third. Wincha United in second and King Canute uh, to Lumby holds his spot um, at first overall. Uh, he's at 1,604 points overall. I believe that is exactly 155 points more than I have. Uh, <laughs> congratulations to to Lumby. That's very impressive. Yeah, having, having an ac- absolute flyer of a season. It's mm-hmm. never too late to join the Always Cheating Super League. If you win the Super League, listen, you can have one of whatever you like in the Always Cheating shop at alwayscheating.com. Yep. Com. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we'll take a quick moment here to shout out our new Patreon supporters. Of course, patreon.com slash always cheating is where you can go to support what Josh and I do every week on the Always Cheating podcast. So this podcast is for free. But if you're a Patreon supporter, you get an exclusive extra podcast every week, as, along with access to our Slack chat forum where Josh and I can uh, bounce around ideas with you. And there are tons of, tons of other great managers in there talking about yeah. FPL, food, movies, and all that, all that fun stuff. Also extra group. leagues and swag mm-hmm. and other things uh, through our Patreon page. So a quick thank you to our new supporters at the Lord Sorloff tier, Steve Wally, Oyvind Road, Buzz Hempel, and Luke Price. Right, thanks, Brandon. And yeah, the, the, it's early in the month right now. It's I believe it was it February second. It's Groundhog Day here in the United States. That uh, is a perfect early in the month is the perfect time to become a new Patreon supporter. Uh, get that pledge working for you the entire month and join the Slack. I mean, it's a two week game week. You're gonna have a lot of downtime. You're gonna want to talk about uh, excellent cheeses and. Um, and give us recommendations <laughs> for a UK trip and like that. So, uh, so yeah, patreon.com slash always cheating is where you can go to support the podcast and Brandon, let's take a break. We'll get back and start answering some unanswerable questions. All right, Brandon, we're back. Today's theme, honest answers to difficult questions. Uh, some of these questions will be a little more thoughtful. Other ones we can treat, I think, more lightning round style. Okay, so let's try to okay. give – well, I don't want to equivocate though, all right, Brandon? We're going to give <laughs> real answers here even when the the question doesn't really 
merit a real answer. Okay, so let's just uh, let's just do our best here. Uh, final, Richie. I'm, I'm not really sure what that means, but I'm with you. Just, I just want you to be uh, confident. Okay, in your okay. assertion, whether I it's, can do you know, that. Yeah, all right. Uh, Vinyl yeah. Ritchie, uh, longtime uh, patron of the podcast, says, uh, next game week is a first. It's played over two weekends with the winter break coming up. We'll get pregame pressers for only eight out of the 20 teams. How should this affect our transfers, benchings, and or captain choices, if at all? Yeah, this is a new one for us, like, as we were talking about That's at the top question. of the pod. Have we? Yes. Some might say it's an impossible question, <laughs> but but I don't know if we've seen a game week quite like this in the in the last decade of of playing FPL. No. So, so as as Richie points out, like we we may only really have it from the horse's mouth from the managers or the Sam Lees, the, the press agents of the world that are on mm-hmm. the ground. We may only have notes about half these these fixtures and i'm looking at liverpool norwich or norwich liverpool i should say on february 15th Mm -hmm. that's the second half of this game week and that's going to be a huge factor for us a lot of people are going to be captaining salah i am still a mane owner so to not have i mean it all signs point to mane being fit for saturday february 15th but to not actually hear it from klopp's mouth before we lock in for this game week deadline right. it's going to be really stressful because Klopp's like they're on vacation i'm on vacation right he's not going to be there for the <laughs> fa cup match it's like so we really probably i mean we almost definitely won't hear from Klopp right before yeah, the game week right. deadline yeah uh which so is yeah really to, to be co- yeah. to be confident here if if you're asking me to be confident i think my confident answer is richie this game week is a leap of faith and there's really no other way that you can look at it because there are going to be a certain number of unknowns. There's right. enough time in here where we could actually see fateful injuries and in training that will impact how your squad rolls out uh, later in the game week. So yeah, I am choosing to kind of not operate from a place of fear where this is concerned. It right. actually like the wild card conversation continues for me. And that makes it much less appealing for me to wildcard into game week 26, given totally. the yeah. fact that there are going to be all these unknowns. So I think that's my one sort of big how it affects my team uh, answer. Yeah, I think that uh, for me, I'm you know, the thing about, tr- the, you know, the, the reason to be worried, I guess, would be, I mean, the, the money thing is tricky. Uh, my my confident assertion would be that if I had money, I would keep him. And I would assume that he was healthy and ready to come back for the for the Norwich match. If he isn't, then that's a tough break. But uh, the odds are he will be, and that's those odds are strong enough that I would just hold him if I still had him and, and certainly start him. And um, I don't think I'd captain him. You know, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, that seems a little too risky. But uh, I would certainly just start him with confidence. And I, I, Josh, you know, I'm just. I'm just going to say quickly from Ben Dinnery's site, the Lord of Injury News, like this was the latest quote on Sadio mm-hmm. Mane from Klopp. Sadio will not be involved versus West Ham and probably not Southampton. We know that to be true. After mm-hmm. that, he should be fine. He has a small muscle tear. We were lucky. It was not that serious. So, yeah, I'm, I am with you. The vibes are good for Mane going into game week 26. I think so too. And maybe he comes off the bench or something, but I mean, coming off the bench at away at Norwich that he could perform just as well as he did if he started in that one, you know? So, uh, so Mane, I think is, I think is fine. I would just, I would just keep him and, uh, and start him if you have him. Um, 
as far as the other transfers go, I mean, you know, I guess the concern would be injuries, but in most cases, I, I don't have like a, you know, a percentage in my head or whatever, but, you know, in most cases, the concern about, you know, about having this two week, you know, break is that someone's going to get injured. But I mean, most of these people are on a vacation for a week. It's not like they're going, it's not like Sergio Aguero is going to Argentina to play for the national team for a week, right? These players are just off for a week. So uh, unless they get like injured on, you know, the beaches of Ibiza or something, like they're probably going to be it's fine. A, it's a dangerous place, Joshua. It is dangerous. I know. You got to avoid the. I've never been there. Have you been to it? I've never been there. <laughs> no, I have never been there. Been there Michigan men. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Definitely wear UV protection if you are there. That's my. <laughs> that, that's what makes it. Yeah, most someone dangerous. could get skin cancer, but probably won't be. You know, bad enough that we kicks won't in know. Before. Yeah, I mean, we won't know. Maybe that could be a game week thirty-eight problem, but I think for game week 20, 26, we should be okay. Um, the one thing I will say is that for me, there is an emotional element to it and i don't like i'm not the kind of manager who can play without any emotion and i will not be captaining anybody the first weekend because i cannot i i if, if it didn't work out i would just the misery i would have of waiting a full week especially when when you know sala is going to be such a widely captained player um so even though aguero at home to west ham is an amazing fixture I would just, I'm, I'm still, I would, st- if I had him, I would still captain a Liverpool player because unless he gets like 25 points or something like that, like if he gets like 13, right, you'd be like, you might kick yourself a little bit for not captaining him, but it's also very possible that Salah matches that away to Norwich, you know, if, if not, if not surpasses it. I mean, they're, they're going to, they're, you know, very likely win that match 3 1, 3 0, 5 0, something like that. If you look at Mo Salah since game week 16, He's had five double-digit hauls. He's now opening up this lead at the top of the FPL scorers table. He's just four points above Kevin De Bruyne. But if you think about who's had all the action the last month, it's been Sala. Like mm-hmm. we we spent the first half of the season kind of putting Sala on trial. You know, he's his game is 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 gone. It's Mane is is kind of surging into the lead here. But now the ship is riding itself. Sala mm. is the FPL asset that will right. be the star for the rest of the season. There's a, I think there's a, um, an argument for captaining Firmino, uh, who has been so brilliant um, in away matches this season. Um, I think that's it's not something I plan to do, but I think if you want it to be a little bit different, I think that'd be a very reasonable shout. I mean, he's been super involved, and if you think that Sadio Mane might not play, then there's maybe even more reason to do it, right? I mean, he was just involved in everything. Um, in that uh, Southampton match on Saturday. So he was. Yeah. Uh, I've already to Firmino, by the way, is a move that I've heard people discuss. And I think that is a very reasonable move. Definitely something um, to consider. Yeah, Vardy's interesting. I'm sure we have a Leicester City question coming up, so yep, maybe yep. let's let's put a pin in a that one. Difficult question. All right, let's go to the next question though. Emil Seidlick says, to wildcard or not to wildcard? Yeah, I think I gave away my answer uh, talking about Richie's question, and that is, I just don't, it just doesn't feel right to me. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I do I do want to support anyone who is on wildcard right now. Uh, the wildcard team that I was thinking of that I had in my mind for game week 25 would have served me quite well. Double Liverpool defense going hard on Sheffield United defense as well. Mm-hmm. Um 
I mean, there was, as we mentioned, no way to get strikers right in game week 25. So that was moot. So I still think that the, the map, the roadmap for a wild card hasn't changed since then. So, you know, you'll probably, we'll probably revisit, revisit the same plan in game week 27, but you know, my concern yeah. with the stretched out game week is there are just going to be some weird fixtures and weird results, weird lineups, and it's just harder to predict. And I do think you yeah. want to be operating more from a position of strength or be on your front foot, whatever metaphor I can shoehorn in there. You shoehorn <laughs> another metaphor yeah. in there yeah. um, is kind of how I'm feeling. So. I'm just kind of going to give game week 26 a pass on the wild card and then move on to 27. You don't say a wild card. There's no, no article there. Just I think it's on a wild card on wild card on a wild. I, it sounds a little more active if I'm on wild card. <laughs> yeah. and I like that. Um, so yeah, I mean the, the tricky thing about the wild card is that in game week 28, we now know, um, which we did not know when we recorded last week's podcast, uh, cause the league cup semifinal matches had not been played. Um, we now know that it's Aston Villa, Man City in the league cup final, which I actually think will be a pretty fun and interesting match. You're not talking about this a couple of days ago, but I think it'll be, uh, I'm looking forward to that one. I, I don't always watch the league cup final, but this is cause often it's like Chelsea Spurs or something like that. We're like, eh, like. I don't know. You know, it's yeah. like it's like the like it's like a fifth place club plays is playing a third place club or whatever, you know. Uh but Villa is like a true underdog in that match. So I think that could be kind of a fun one. Uh but that does mean that Arsenal, Sheffield United, um Aston Villa and Man City uh all have blanks in game week 28 because of the league cup final the two teams that are playing the two teams that they were going to play uh, in those matches. So I do think that makes um things a little trickier. And so my answer to the to the to wild card or not to wild card would be and obviously the real answer is that it depends, but to definitively answer this, I will say don't wild card until we know when the double game weeks are going to take place. Um, because I think if you know that, it's going to help you to figure out who you want in your team and how much you want to load up and, you know, how, like, you know, if, if, if they're all going to be played like pretty far down the line, then then you don't necessarily need to load up on on all these assets in preparation for the doubles. Um, so I don't know. I think that it's there's just a lot up in the air right now. I mean, you know, it's normally we it's we kind of know what the windows are going to be, uh, but this time around, I mean, the chatter on Twitter was we could see a double game week in game week 27, a double game week in 28. You know, you know, I don't know. It's like there's a few different windows now. Yeah, that's where they could slot these things in, um, which. It doesn't seem like there's more ambiguity about like when the doubles are going to take place than in previous years. Does that feel right to you too? There is. Yes, that does feel right to me. I mean, what we can say with certainty is that they've just dropped the Arsenal City fixture from game week 28 and the Villa, I'm I'm blanking on who Villa played in game week 28. Sheffield United, right. So all your Sheffield United defenders and your city attackers are all blanking in game week 28. Yet another thing that, you know, plays into your mind when you're thinking about what the wild card looks like. Yeah, it just makes it tricky. So I think uh, when I feel that uncertain about what's coming over the next few game weeks, I would, I would I wouldn't want a wild card because I wouldn't know what the optimal team would be. So um, my answer is no, don't wild card. Moving on, AJ. On the last Kitchen Table series pod, that's the podcast for patrons, uh, Brandon mentioned that he wanted to use this past game week to gain a cleaner perspective on the Obama-Aguero question as to who to bring in. So, Brandon, did you glean anything from, <laughs> from, from, from today's matches? 
I did like that Freudian slip there referring to Aubameyang as our uh, former president of the United States, um, Barack Obama, which <laughs> um, uh, did I, I, I did glean things. Um, the thing that I gleaned about Aubameyang was, I think, generally positive. He squandered a number of chances, but Arsenal squandered a number of chances as, as the whole team. But Aubameyang yeah. was still making sensational runs. He was getting fed the ball. He just, for whatever reason, wasn't finishing them. And I think you still, like, incrementally, and I don't think it's, uh, if you're an Arsenal fan, you're frustrated at these baby steps that Arteta is taking week to week. It's, mm-hmm. But they they still do seem to be moving in the right direction. So even though it was a weird draw, disappointing result for Arsenal, I came away thinking, well, Aubameyang is going to be uh, getting getting those opportunities. Aguero, on the other hand, Aguero also had a ton of chances. Uh, yeah, City ton. squandered a ton of chances. I think he had six shots in the box, five on target or something like that. And um, if you imagine he's doing that against West Ham, fantastic. However, my, lar- my larger concern for Aguero is City just look to be in complete disarray right now. And, yeah. you know, the rotation is what it is. And Gabriel Jesus, I, I can just see him starting when you most want Aguero to start. That's a frustration I don't want to deal with. Um, Aguero, you know, he he has those those brace and hat trick games in him that can really change the face of your season. But mm-hmm. I just feel like there are so many other great striker options to bring in from Jimenez to Ings mm-hmm. to Firmino yeah. uh, and Aubameyang that are just as strong of options. So to answer AJ's question, my glean was while Aguero looked good, City just don't look good. Aubameyang looked fine. I would still go with Aubameyang after what I saw in game week 25. Yeah. I mean, if you want either one, really, I mean, I know Aubameyang played reasonably well. I think his XG was like 0.97 or something like that. Um, but just like, yeah, I mean, you compare Aubameyang to someone like Jimenez, uh, who is 3 million plus cheaper, um, and seems exactly as likely to score points. And, you know, I mean, if if it's between those two, for example, I mean, obviously I, you know, for me, I mean, I'm sort of leaning towards maybe moving Vardy to, um, to Jimenez at some point. I may now keep him for through game week 28, um, and, and then I may just keep Firmino now for a while. I mean, I'm just, I feel really positive about Firmino in his form right now. Um, so it could be that Firmino Ings Jimenez is actually the trio that I would, I would most want. I mean, the problem with Aubameyang is, you know, it's like you, you saw it today. I mean, they played Aubameyang, Martinelli and Lacazette up front and it just didn't work. And it's like, this is like why people don't play three strikers. It's like you play three forwards, like none of whom are like natural wingers even really. Um, and it doesn't mean triple the goals, right? It's like, there's a reason yeah. like you need midfielders because they know how to unlock a defense. And, you know, so it was just like a three forward yeah. lineup, you know, blanking was kind of predictable, I think. And so, um, I don't know, it was, just, you know, it was kind of a silly, lineup in my opinion and so um you just sort of were you know in a mesodosal was um you know what he normally is on the road which is you know completely anonymous you know just irrelevant yeah. to, to the match 
Um, and it was just a very sleepy match in general, which was, I, I, you know, I had Pope. So I was like, I'll, like, it was amazing. Like normally when you have a goalkeeper and that's the only player you have in a match, you're kind of nervous uh-huh. the whole time. And this one, I was yeah. like, this is fine. There's no way, there's no way Arsenal are scoring. <laughs> right. I mean, Obama yeah. had one big chance, uh, where he it was like, I think it was a header, um, that he, I guess he kind of had two cause he had the one where he could, he didn't lift the ball yep. high enough over Pope's head. Mm-hmm. And then he had the header that, that went. That went narrowly wide. And the header was the better yeah. chance, I think, in some ways. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's fine. I just I just don't – I'm not excited about him. He's super expensive, and I don't trust the people who are feeding him the ball. So um, yeah. that's the bigger issue. It's not, it's not him. It's his team. I think that's very fair. And what we saw from Spurs against Manchester City, you know, my issue with – my midfield, uh, looking at how I might rejigger things to fit in a premium striker, is like, well, I, I have enough cash to bring in a premium striker like Aguero or Obbs because I don't really need to spend a lot of money in my midfield because what do I need these Spurs assets for? And then suddenly Spurs look like absolute world beaters against City. I mean, I think. Well, I mean, when they went down, when they, like, when they were up a man, you know, I mean, they <laughs> that, looked terrible yeah, that, the first that, half. That That is a fair point. That is a fair point. Um, but I just think somehow the way the budgets were working out kind of left room for these premium strikers. The last point I would make uh, to AJ's question and to Manchester City is, you know, Pep has this quote of, you know, if I leave Manchester City and I haven't won the Champions League, I will deem it a failure. And the league is gone. There is no question about that. Yeah. What what is Pep's approach going to be once the Champions League notch, knockout matches start? I mean, the squad is incredibly deep at City and he can, you know, I, I don't think the rotation is really going to change all that much. But if Aguero becomes the form striker, you know, there is that uh, there is that chance that maybe his sole focus becomes the Champions League. Well, I think that's I think that's very fair um, for um you know, I think for Aguero, you don't have to worry for a few more weeks still because um, the way that it's set up, I think, um, yeah, Man City don't play the first leg of their Champions League match until February 26. Um, so I would start worrying a lot then. Um, the It is tricky, though, because the so the Champions League kicks off um, the, the run of 16 matches after game week 26 concludes. So after this two-week stretch. Um, and so Liverpool actually have a Tuesday match after the Norwich match. So I guess that does could cause a bit of mild anxiety if I were a Sadio Mane mm-hmm. owner, because that maybe makes him just slightly 3% less. I mean, you can sort of look at it either way. I mean, on the one hand, you could think, well, um, he might need to, he might need a match, you know, one match to sort of get his legs back a little bit and rediscover his form. Uh, on the other hand, if you just think that he's the kind of player who can just – you can just slot him in after you know, he doesn't play for a month and he'll be fine. It's probably true of Sadio Mane. Um, then you could – he could in theory miss the Norwich match just to just to make sure that he was fully you know, ready for the Atletico Madrid. Because they're, they're away at Atletico Madrid for that first leg and that is not going to be easy at all. So yeah. um, just something to think about. Yeah, well, something to think about. We're basically answering the next impossible question, which is from Heath Cram, who asks, rotation watch, who do we realistically see as the biggest risks when the Champions League right. is back? Uh, so I think we've kind of covered this. City yeah. and Liverpool would be the big issues. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, I, Liverpool, I don't worry about too much. Um, I mean, you know, eventually they they will clinch the league. But I, I think... 
I mean, if if they're still undefeated as the season goes on, I don't I don't see Klopp taking a ton of risks. I mean, people have said, um, oh, you know, what happens when they clinch the league in, in March? You know, it actually like I think it could now work out, Brennan, that they could clinch the weekend that we're in the UK, uh, mm-hmm. which would be uh, kind of wild um, because I think they play the morning. Um, so we're going to we're going to the Manchester Derby uh, and they play the morning match that day. So it may be decided based on, um, but you know, by the time we're there, which would be kind of kind of wild. Um, so anyway, but yeah, I think that um, you know they probably will rotate a little bit more near the end of the season. But I mean, to me, rotation just means maybe one extra rest for some of these players. I mean, it's not like I think son, suddenly Salah is only going to play one out of four matches in a month or something like that. And maybe maybe it's three out of four instead of four out of four. Um, but I, you were talking earlier about you know the, the lack of premium assets. I mean, what are you going to do? Um, drop Salah for Lucas Mora, or you know, there's no, there's no one like yeah. that 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 right. kind of is like a like for like. Huh. And the players you consider would be Man City assets, and they're probably much more prone to rotation than than the Liverpool assets are. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I think I'm with you though. I, I don't see I, you know Man City is kind of a stay away right now. You were talking about that with with Aguero, and I think it's probably true of the entire team. I mean Raheem Sterling, it's kind of a bummer. Right. He's yeah. <laughs> What's he happening? Is, his his form is just completely gone. You could see it in that Spurs match where yeah. he didn't quite know himself. It just like nothing he did was working. He had a clear shot on goal and passed it to Gund. I don't know why Gundogan was suddenly the most important person. From like I don't know why why is everything going through Gundogan all of a sudden? That was that like <laughs> does not go well. I, don't, I, I think Gundogan <laughs> is slightly overrated from the uh, just because everything is viewed so much through that FPL lens. But sure, sure. Um, I think Spurs is an interesting case with rotation as well because their squad is getting a little deeper. And you know Chelsea, we kind of don't even want to think about their FPL assets right now. So that's just a pass in generally general. Yeah. But Spurs they are creeping closer and closer to that fourth spot in the league table. And, you know, they stand a much better chance of raking in a bunch of cash just by qualifying for the champions league when I wouldn't expect them to get anywhere close to the quarter of the semifinals. So you would think Mourinho is going to put most of his efforts behind the league form. Yeah. I think if I were to rank them, I would go uh, mostly liable to rotate uh, Man City second, Liverpool, um, and then yeah, Spurs and Chelsea. I would just, I, I just don't think they're liable to rotate at all. And, and Lampard didn't really rotate very much in the in the fall, um, so I don't see too much, you know, more maybe maybe the fullbacks a little bit, uh, but I don't see that being too much uh, of an issue. As far as the Europa League goes, I, I don't see that as something that. I think it's is it Man United and Arsenal. I think those are the two teams. Maybe actually, I think Wolves, and Wolves. as well. Yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. it will be interesting. But I, I suspect that we wouldn't see rotation there until those teams got pretty far down the line. Uh, I mean, Unai Emery went all in on trying to win a Europa League with Arsenal last year, and it cost them their league form, and he got sacked like six months later. <laughs> so yes. I don't see. You know, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a huge priority for these clubs, and. I think they're all really going to prioritize the Premier League. And so, you know, if the answer is, yeah, everyone is at a slight risk, then that's just the price you pay for having good players. Like good players tend to be in Europe, you know, and they tend to be rotatable. And it's very rare to get just an amazing kick-ass fantasy asset who has no rotation threat. Um, You know, it's, I mean, if anything, that's like why Vardy has been so valuable this season, right? Because he's just, there's just no, there's nothing else for him to play in, you know, other than, uh, you know. 
Okay, so let's let's, let's talk about Vardy. Let's talk about Vardy. The next question right. is from Jeff Waugh. Leicester yeah. still seem capable of getting results, but do we need to rethink which assets to own? Yeah. Difficult question, impossible question. I think we can I think we can get somewhere well, with this. I di- well, I think it is difficult because I think uh Leicester were they were look, it was looking like they were going to they had a very good chance of, you know, of advancing to the final. They were up uh 1-0 on the road um against Aston Villa and ended up losing that match. And instead of having a blank in game week 28, they now play Norwich in game week 28. So with only three three weeks of transfers to go before game week 28, suddenly I am not as inclined to drop my Sonyochu and Vardy assets. Um, just doesn't seem like as much of a priority for me. You don't think Sonyochu needs to be properly punished? You don't think that he needs to understand what he's done? <laughs> It would be great. I mean, I would love to do it, but should I just write him a letter? Yeah, maybe a strongly worded letter. That's really the only way to go. I just don't know. I, I don't know what to think anymore about uh, about. And this is this is why it's a difficult question. So, Brandon, to answer the question definitively, which is the point of the of this this particular segment today, I am going to hold all of my Lester assets. If I had James Madison, though, I would dump him because James Madison is gone form wise and if i were to dump james madison i would replace him with deli wow deli okay. yep if you can afford him i know it's a little bit more expensive but they're pretty close in price yeah i hear what you're saying regarding lester i think my definitive answer would be to keep vardy but sayonchu i don't think lasts for me beyond game week 26 and that's you know, considering the blank in 28, you know, I, I really don't want to be 100% on whether I'm going to tr- trigger that wild card or not. Um, but I, I I think that he will be targeted in game week 27 with one of my transfers. Okay. Well, fair enough. I uh, It sort of just depends on how my defense looks. And I think, unfortunately, I'm going to have to make a really boring defensive move in game week 26 um, because of, because of Lundstrom, uh, which... There we go, Brandon. The flow is just working so well this this week. Uh, Matthew Hall says Lundstrom replacements from Sheffield United. So Lundstrom is uh, he's done, right? He is. Uh, it was it was it was real and it was fun, and for uh-huh. a while it was even real fun, Brandon. But unfortunately, the Lundstrom, the Lundstrom Express, whatever cliche you want to use, uh, it's it's over for for John Lundstrom. And it's uh, just it it ended yeah. so abruptly. I feel like we don't we didn't really have time to process. Yeah. Like the way Lundstrom or something. Yeah. 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 He was just taken away from us. All right. So let's say that you, like me, are considering dropping John Lundstrom before this match. I think that even with the blank in game week 28, I think that uh, targeting a Sheffield United player is definitely something worth considering as a Lundstrom replacement um, because they, okay, so they have the blank, but other than that, they have Bournemouth, Brighton, and Norwich at home in three of the next four extremely good yeah. chance of a clean sheet in, in all three of those matches. And even Newcastle away in game week 30 is, is not a bad, uh, not a bad match. I mean, you know, look, you're looking ahead of their schedule, slightly tricky run in the middle of the next like 14 weeks of fixture, 12, 13 weeks of fixtures. But I mean, there's a pretty good chance they actually get a Europa league spot. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's very possible they end up in sixth or seventh, uh, just given how, how well they played. Um, at times this season. I think it's all down to your budget with these guys. You think about um, the 5.1 price tag for 
Baldock, Stevens, and Lundstrom. These guys were skyrocketing in value because of all of their attacking returns. And like they haven't done anything recently. None of these defenders, like you have to go back to game week 16 for Enda Stevens to have done anything. Baldock, mm-hmm. he hasn't done anything attacking wise since. Well, game week 19 with an assist. That's not so bad. But um, I think an interesting move, barring game week 28, where you would have to bench these guys, is a double up in the defense. And the points, the point, the points you'd pull in from a double defense just with clean sheets alone, mm-hmm. I think would justify going really cheap with Egan and O'Connell. So 4.5 and 4.6. These guys aren't doing much up at the attacking end of the pitch, but they're not going to get rested or rotated. They're very affordable. And Mm -hmm. if you can afford to bring those two guys in versus paying 5.1 for having the hopes of getting an attacking return from Baldock, I, I think I would err toward the cheaper double up. Yeah, there's, I guess there are sort of two brackets here. Um, I, I can't tell them apart. I mean, I, I know I've said that before, like that I literally can't tell them apart. Like if you just put Baldock, Stevens, O'Connell, and Egan in front of me and bash them, throw them all in there, uh, mm-hmm. just like in a like a like a like a usual suspect style lineup, uh, I could not pick out a single one of them. Maybe Egan, who's got kind of a wait. Oh wait, no, Egan's not who I thought he was. So Brandon, you're thinking really, of O'Connell, probably. I'm thinking of O'Connell. O'Connell's the one guy who's got like a little bit of a look. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I really. And even then, I thought he was Egan. So it's really, it's really hard <laughs> to tell him apart. Uh, they're all pretty close in points. Uh, Baldock does seem like the of, of the of the center backs who rampage forward. It does seem like he's the one who has been the most attacking. I mean, that's certainly reflected in his fantasy stats. But I actually think he's, if I recall, he's had a couple moments this season where he had goals chalked off or some offside goals, things like that. So he's he's been you know super active defensively. But I mean, do I see? Baldock is – I can't sit here and tell you, Brandon, that I think that Baldock is worth an extra 0. 0.5 or 0. 0.6 million over these other players. Um, and so I won't do that. And the other headache for him is that he has by far the most yellow cards of any mm-hmm. of these defenders. I think because Baldock is getting farther up the pitch, he's – you know, he's, he's – uh, tactical fouls might be a part of his game. But six yellow cards right. for him, and I think the next highest for Mung – any of these defenders is four. So that's kind of another headache that you're taking on with the higher price tag. By the way, that reminds me, Riyad Mahrez should have to share that red card with Zinchenko, right? I don't, were you okay, watching yeah, that? Uh, yeah, that I'm crazy. Glad that, I'm glad you brought that up because I think this weekend might have been the worst weekend for corner kicks than we have seen in a long time. <laughs> so many just wretched... I mean, I guess all these guys are in need of a winter break. Just the fatigue is not allowing yeah, them to don't have the legs anymore. Lift up on the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, Mares did not have a great, great game at all, and that corner kick just exploded Manchester City's, uh, you know, <laughs> basically forced, basically forced Inchenko to to get a take a red right because otherwise, yeah. uh, was it Ali? I can't remember who was racing down there, but it was it was Winks uh, that he took down. It was Winks, right? Of course, yeah. And that's a little surprising that. Sterling didn't get a red early on. That's a that was a full on boot stomp. That's oh yeah, just just a classic great advertisement for VAR that uh, <laughs> that match. So, but that, we yeah, don't really need to get into 
don't no wanna... we don't need to thankfully that was the only i do think that people get hosed consistently on the extra time there's what like 12 minutes of stoppages in the first half of that match uh yeah. and somehow there were only four minutes of extra time i was like and I listen if you pay money you... to go to that match if you think this is cool stuff and, you know, computers are uh, and and weirdos and sheds off in the country are are better making these calls. All this all this downtime is only inviting Budweiser ads to invade the TV <laughs> broadcast. Yeah. So more you think VAR yeah. is, is kind of interesting, an interesting diversion now. Just wait until it makes it's it allows for, yeah. for advertisements to come into the game. Yeah, this should be uh, – next question is, I think, a pretty easy one. Uh, 2.6 points per game in the last nine. What am I going to do with James Madison? That's uh, from FPL SWAT. Yeah, he's gone. He's got to go. Uh, he, yep. you know, he's he's just not done anything, and he's not worth the money. Leicester City are having problems. It's it's very cut and dry. Where yeah. you go from there, I, you suggested trying to go up to Deli Ali. And Spurs are uh, interesting. You know, I'd love to talk to you about uh, Steven Bergwijn. Um, yeah. You know, took that we, goal really well. Priced at yeah. 7.5. Yeah. We've got a question about the January transfers in the lightning round. So let's okay. uh, let's save the Bergwijn talk. Right. right, uh, right. Yeah. Uh, I think we can only sort of uh, hold a Leicester defender if you want. And then Jamie Vardy and the rest just cut bait. All right. This last question has nothing to do with fantasy, but I thought it was kind of a funny one because I was thinking it myself today. Alex Turner says, any reason, statistical or otherwise, why KDB doesn't take penalties? Um, yeah, you know this I, guy would like never miss, right? Like <laughs> think if KDB were on penalties, he would make like 27. Cons- he'd be like better than Mario yeah. Balotelli. <laughs> well, we know that to factually not be true because the one and only time – Kevin De Bruyne has taken a penalty in the league was in 2016 against Everton. I was, as you can tell, I was just looking this up before we recorded, but this (laughs) Mm -hmm. match, this match is historical for Martin Stecklenburg fans out there because he made two penalty saves in one match, Hmm. once against uh, KDB. And then the second against Aguero who had subsequently come on as a substitute. And they both shot into the, same position of the goal, and Stecklenburg stopped them both. Wow. Now, the only other two times Kevin De Bruyne has taken three penalties in all of recorded transfer market history. He's taken one in the Premier League for City he missed. He's taken two others for Belgium. He's made both of them. But he hasn't taken a penalty since 2016. So I don't know if he's just afraid of them hmm. uh, or what. But I, it seems like something that he would say he doesn't want to do. So he, he takes free kicks from you know twenty five yards out. Accuracy is great. He can generate an insane amount of power, Jamie Vardy level. So yeah. I can see him just like lashing them beyond totally. the keeper from the spot. Well, I think he should take them, and uh, I'm going to talk to Pep uh, when you and I go to this match in March, and uh, see if we can make that happen. Brandon, let's take a break. We're going to get back. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, we have a couple lightning round questions, and then we'll talk a little bit about game week twenty six. All right, we're going to take a quick break now to tell you all about our brand new sponsor, Bet Online. Josh, did you miss your chance to bet on the Super Bowl? I know you didn't because you were actually 
texting me a couple hours ago uh, for somebody's phone forgot number. Forgot my square. Yeah, I forgot my square was. <laughs> right. yeah. But if you forgot and missed your chance to bet on the Super Bowl, fear not. Blue Wire is excited to be partnering with Bet Online to help you win big no matter the time of year. You've got March Madness coming up, the Masters, Major League Baseball opening day right around the corner. Bet Online has you covered for all of our latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Plus, it's never too early to lay down that future bet for Super Bowl 2021. Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE, that's all one word, BLUEWIRE, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's super easy, and if you're already making wagers, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast, the Always Cheating Podcast. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, when you sign up at betonline.ag. Bring your best bets home with BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And we're back. It's lightning round time. Three questions in the lightning round this week. Tommy says, of all the January transfers, who gets your FPL juices flowing? I mean, yeah, this this should have gone in the difficult and impossible question section. Sure. But yeah, I think er everyone was certainly talking about Bruno Fernandez at Manchester United coming into this game week. And um, I, it's an interesting one. Yeah. I mean, to be heavily involved in a, an absolute dumpster fire of a team, you know, I don't know how far that that gets you. But I was I was just really excited about Steven Bergwijn at Spurs. Now, granted, you know, it's easy to get excited about somebody because they score a goal. But yeah, uh, nice goal, though. He just he beautiful goal. He looks the part. And Spurs, they have it in them to be a very attacking team, despite Mourinho being their manager. And I yep. think if you get him involved with Son and Deli Ali, all you can afford, like your ceiling on price is 7.5. I think he's very much worth a look. Yeah, and he put up some pretty big numbers in the Dutch League too, which you know, Dutch, Dutch League numbers always had to be uh, taken with a little bit of a grain of salt. You know, the league that produced yeah. Josie Altidore. Yeah, yeah, and others, and some some good, some bad. Uh, Erickson too, but you never really know what you're getting. Uh, I think he had something like I, I looked it up earlier today, and I've I, so this this won't be exact, but it was something like five goals and ten assists, and something like seventeen matches in the Dutch league, and so uh, you know some pretty significant numbers, and um, you know they kind of could use somebody in that wing spot, you know, and so I, I just think he he fits he fits in pretty well into that team, um, and I. I don't know. I, I'm kind of with you there. I mean, I don't really like taking a burning a transfer on a player that I and I just don't know what I'm getting. I mean, you know, Bernard Fernandez is kind of the same way where it was fun to watch him play because he was so incredibly involved. I mean, he was on everything. Mm -hmm. He was shooting a bunch. Uh, he, I mean, how long he probably doesn't even know the names of half the people he's playing with, right? It was crazy <laughs> yeah, right. that they just he just got him right off the in. plane and they are like, all right, here your here are your boots and your kit, uh, get out there. And, yeah, and he was like. Like I mean, he was being compared to like Kevin De Bruyne light, but it is true. Like a total box to box player, he was going and collecting the ball like two feet away from Harry Maguire, shuttling yeah. it all the way up front, and then yeah, taking some attacking responsibilities. So you know, I think we'll see good and bad from him as far as FPL productivity. But yeah. uh, one to watch. Yeah, I thought, I mean, it was just exciting, you know, exciting to have somebody like that um, for Manchester United who have not had a lot of, a lot of reasons to get excited, you know, um, in the last, uh, 
whatever the the I don't know the last ten weeks or so have been pretty rough for them. So uh, the last five seasons, so I, I, I can see them being pretty excited about that. I mean, I, I you know as far as fantasy goes, I I don't think either one really gets the juices to flowing because I just don't. There's just no track record for either one, and mm-hmm. they're really expensive for for having no track record. I just feel a little anxious about what I'm actually getting from them. And so, um, what about anybody on any of the other? Any of the kind of less heralded transfers? Did, did any stand out to you? Were there any that you were kind of like, oh, I'm sort of intrigued by this player? I'm sort of, you know, was, was did anything, did anything come to mind? Uh, no, I don't even know if I could name any of them, um, <laughs> except yeah. for my well, man Mbama. I've already forgotten the the striker at Aston Villa. Yeah, yeah, Burge for for Sheffield United too. That was that was a big big signing. No, 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 no. I will say, I feel like I said, I've said, I've said I'll, I will say like eight times in this podcast, but I will say Samada, it was a very cheeky goal. I don't know if you, I was actually watching, I was second screening uh, on Saturday. And so I saw him score that goal. By the way, I am yeah. just like the biggest Jack Grealish fan. Like, I just <laughs> love that. Like, I know he has not been like amazing yeah. fantasy wise, but he is so like, there was a moment after that red card where he just was over there just chatting with Eddie Howe and like explaining why it was like, like the right call for there to be a right. It's like, what is he doing? He's just like, he's got like, he's just, he's got a ton of personality, um, plays yeah. with fire. He's just he, awesome. His time is coming. He will move on from Aston Villa, you know, next year or the following, and he will be a star. I agree. He's kind of got, got it in him. I mean, this, he don't want to confuse boy band style with star making potential, but he really yeah. does back it up with this game. And I seven goals and six assists for an FPL asset who started the season with 6.5. I think he's, yeah. I think he's exceeded expectations as far as yeah. FPL goes. I actually think his hair almost does him a disservice because it makes uh-huh. him seem like a flash player or something. You well, know? listen, and, as a guy who is bald, uh, <laughs> I think it's cool. And, <laughs> If I had hair, I would yeah. just go for it. So I, yeah. So like, if you had my hair, I've got, I've got beautiful hair. I've got tons of it. Uh, not, not balding anytime soon, as far as I can tell. Uh, you would, uh, you would go ahead and you'd color that and and flop it back. Yeah, we'll absolutely. Talk, let's talk would. after the pod. Yeah, let's yeah, talk after the pod. I, I will, I will take your scalp and I will affix it to the top of my head, and it'll be uh, just the weirdest thing in podcast history. Uh, Eric Freeman, Brandon, next question says, other than Liverpool, what does your eye test tell you about which clubs have the momentum to finish strong the rest of the season? That was momentum. I kind of stumbled over that word, Brandon. So who Mm. has the momentum to finish strong the rest of the season? Yeah, uh, you would think Leicester were, were gonna really make the race to second place, but they're losing steam. Chelsea's mm-hmm. in fourth place. They appear to be losing steam. I don't know. I it's such a jumble at this, you know, the yeah. mid upper mid part of the table. And I don't want to confuse what happened in that Spurs City match for like, oh, Spurs are just flying right now. Yeah. Two wins on the bounce. Prior to that, it was a draw and two losses under Mourinho. So um that's curious, but their fixtures are going to open up a little bit. And yeah, I I think you're right. And Sheffield United being a very decent shout for a Europa League position. Yep. If I were to peg any one team that has that level of momentum to finish really strong and surprise, Wolverhampton, I think, could make a charge yeah. for sixth or fifth place. Uh, 
I would peg them as one of the standout teams. Yeah, the Europa League stuff could nick them a little bit. Um, we'll we'll see how much that affects them if they continue to win um, in, in that, um, especially if they're, I don't know. Like at some point, if you're like eighth place overall, you know, in a few weeks and your Europa League table, like Europa League run is going well, it's almost like you want to finish 10th, right? <laughs> so, so you can you can have a nice run in the Europa League and then you don't have to do it again next year. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you, like right. you get it out of your system. Um, yeah, I think um, Newcastle is actually weirdly a team that sticks out to me a little bit. Um, I don't know that they're going to be scoring a ton of goals, but um, they've got a some a pretty nice run of fixtures ahead, and um, yeah, it's not it's not like a perfect, beautiful run. It's not it's not quite as nice as Sheffield United's, for example. But um, I don't know. I feel pr- pretty good about them uh, defensively. I feel like they're kind of um, maybe a little under the radar as, um, as, as fantasy assets. I mean, I, you and I have both picked up Lascelles, but I, I don't think in general that a lot of people are talking about Newcastle yet. Um, I mean, Lascelles is at, uh, you know, 3.2% ownership. It's 4.2 million overall. And from game week 27 through 35, um, it's only, you know, only a couple of bad fixtures ahead for them. I mean, one of them is next week away to Arsenal, but, um, you know, really nice run to close out the season. So, um, I think that maybe even Almiron, I mean, Almiron's been so much more involved since he finally scored that goal. I mean, I know he's only got two goals and one assist in the season, but heavily involved at this point. And just really, what would really help Almiron, I think, uh, would be if Joe Linton could find any form at all. I mean, Joe Linton has you know, truly been been awful. I mean, he's <laughs> one goal, you know, in 25 weeks. And uh, he's played, uh-huh. I think, every single – I think he's started every single match. I mean, for a striker who I think was like – I think they spent like $30 million on him. For a striker to go thir- 25 weeks and only score one goal is uh, pretty pretty awful. You, you haven't seen the legs since Christian Benteke. I don't know if you watched any of the Palace-Sheffield match, but Benteke no. was just doing – doing absolute bits and Benteke style, just like launching balls into the side netting, miscontrolling, fouling. Isn't it weird that, aren't you surprised that people don't do what Gaida did more often, which is uh, to catch the ball and then accidentally uh, cross over uh, your own, your own goal and score an own goal. I would be daydreaming all the time if I played in goal for any of these teams. So yeah, I I don't hate him for that. I do not <laughs> no, hate him. No, no, it was bound to happen. Uh, FPL KJ says, are the relegation battles the most fun matches to watch right now? Um, no, I don't think that's true. I mean, relegation battles are hugely entertaining, mm-hmm. but that's despite all the VAR nonsense that. City Spurs match was just insanely entertaining. <laughs> it was engrossing. Uh, I, yeah. 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 Um I mean it it's always a tricky question when you when you talk about entertainment for entertainment's sake or the quality of the football and Yeah. Um I mean I will watch Liverpool demolish any team and enjoy it just like the True, way yeah. they're just in total free flow right now is is amazing. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, you, you, we had Watford two, Everton three this weekend, West Ham three, Brighton three. I mean, those were very exciting matches. Um, you know, probably more fun than than Man United Wolves, which is more of a yeah. I, I know it's not quite a top of the table clash, but you know, it's two two big teams playing each other, two talented teams. If there um, were so, any justice, yeah. Everton would be involved in the relegation battle. Like I despise this team right now. <laughs> it's not, yeah. Whatever they're supposed to be, they're not that yet. So, um, yeah. So I, 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 I'm sort of. I understand the question, and we'll we'll see in a few weeks. I mean, I think uh, 
it's not clear to me who's even going down yet. Um, so I guess that that will that probably will lead to some drama because um, it feels like a lot of teams still have a chance to get yeah. relegated. And I'm, I'm not even I'm, I'm not even 100 convinced that Norwich will go down. I mean, I, I, I mean, I think they certainly they're the most likely to, but they're only, you know, I guess there's seven points off safety, which is pretty far, but um, they're also the kind of team that you could see ripping off two wins in a row. Right. Like at some point, just beating a couple teams they shouldn't and, and, you know, jumping right back into uh, contention to stay up next year. So um, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think, I I think that'll be, well, we'll see. Yeah. But right now I'm kind of with you. I'd rather watch uh, a fully, you know, a fully functioning Death Star in Liverpool just destroyed teams. <laughs> yes. I mean, they were so clinical the second half. That was beautiful. I mean, especially, obviously we had solid, but even if I didn't, I mean, you know, it was just a super impressive. Um, there was ball. that one move where I think it started with Allison, where they just very lackadaisically passed it out of the back. Um mm-hmm. Like they were sleepwalking, but it just passed it all around Southampton and just by their sheer quality, they just almost walked it into the net on the other end of the yeah. pitch, but they, they didn't end up converting that chance. But they are just like on another level right yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, they won 4 0, and I actually didn't think Southampton played that bad. Um, I thought Southampton were, yeah. were pretty good, especially in the especially in the first half. And uh, it was they kind of like like ran out of steam, I think, around 60 minutes or so. I, mean, I think that's why Ings got subbed because they were like, we're not winning this. <laughs> you know, it was like, uh-huh. we tried really hard. Uh, they probably should have scored a goal. <laughs> Um, and I didn't think that was a pen on Ings. I don't know. I saw like, I know like if you look at it again and again and again, you can maybe see that there, but I, I don't really want that to be a penalty. You know, I just don't want that to be no something that you have to watch for three minutes to kind of maybe see a penalty there. That just is not what I'm looking for out of as, as, a, uh, you as know, a viewer back, on TV. Back, you know? back in my day, that was never even a foul, John. <laughs> well, it wasn't then. I mean, it wasn't yet, you know, it wasn't on <laughs> yeah, Saturday. True, true. Yeah. True. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, all right. So looking ahead, game week 26, obviously we talked about it a fair amount already. We talked about how split up it is. Uh, I like that they're kind of, they're, they're saving the big guns for later on in the second half. I mean, we, the Saturday, I'm actually going to Florida this weekend to see my mom. And so, uh, with my, my family. So, um, you know, if I miss Everton Palace, Brighton Watford, I think I'm going to be okay. Like, I think that... So be it. Yeah, so be it. Um, and, I mean, do you have any thoughts on those two matches if we're just going through these quickly here? Uh, just that I hope Crystal Palace smashes Everton at Goodison Park because, yeah. like, I'm really I'm yeah. really going out there and alienating all of the Toffees uh, who listen to Always Cheating, and I, I, I guess I kind of apologize, but... They'd be, they'd be better off just not playing a forward at all if one of the forwards has to be Benteke, right? Like, yeah. it's just, uh, he is such a such a... He just brings that whole team down. Uh, yeah. Brighton Watford, I, I have a tricky decision to make about uh, who my keeper is uh, for game week 26. I have Pope and Ryan, and uh, it's like if I didn't have Danny Ings, would I just start Pope? Like, I probably would, you know? Um, <laughs> right. Like, Brighton's probably, like, but Brighton certainly could keep a clean sheet in that one. So I don't know. It's kind of, a, I think that's a really tricky one. Um, I do think that yeah. uh, Matt Ryan might be likelier to generate more save points. I mean, Pope hasn't really been a save machine. He's been yeah. Pope has been uh, kind of on fire the last month or so, for sure, in the goalkeeper spot. But I think this week it does feel like the time to give Matt Ryan a, a shot. Yeah, and it's punt. like a it's like if it's fifty fifty. Like, do I just pick the player who? So I have somebody like who who plays. You know, <laughs> like one of those days. Um, yeah. yeah, it's not like always the smartest logic, but sometimes it's 
what we use. Uh, then uh, Sunday, uh, Sheffield United, Bournemouth, Man City, West Ham. So pretty likely I'm only going to have one Man City player for this West Ham match, which does feel a little... I feel a little exposed only having De Bruyne, but I just don't know who I'd bring in. I mean, I don't want a defender. I don't really want mm-hmm. – um, there's really no way for me to bring in Aguero without burning at least four, probably eight to do it, and that doesn't seem worthwhile <laughs> no, for me. That, yeah. that that's not worth it. I mean, going back to our conversation about relegation scrapes, I mean, David Moyes has got to have this team fighting for its life at this point. Every yeah. single – fixture that West Ham coming have coming up over the next, you know, month or two months or it's yeah. gonna be really difficult. So as tight as they can play it, I think they'll try terrible, <clears throat> terrible draw yesterday for them. Just a, a terrible result. Um they had to win that match. I think they were up they up two nil and then three one, I think is yeah. uh yeah. Right. Um but I, I think Kevin De Bruyne is still far far and away the best man city asset to own right now. So mm-hmm. I I don't feel like you should you're 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 not covered per se but you've got the best asset going into that game in my opinion. The other issue here is that Sheffield United their defenders become more and more widely owned and Lundstrom more and more on the bench. Mm-hmm. Um Henderson is in my thoughts going into this game week because Bournemouth struggle to attack. Sheffield are are dominant especially at home. I think that you could see a big swing with Sheffield United defensive owners over those yeah. that don't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's almost a match for you. Yeah. If they didn't blank in game week 28, it's almost a match where you could justify burning four to just bring in two Sheffield United players. Maybe, maybe it is anyway. Um, definitely something to, to think about. Um, yeah. I know. I wish I had Henderson too. I just wish I would have brought him in like 20 weeks ago. Or I actually had him my <laughs> first two weeks before I wildcarded. Um, so yeah. Uh, so then we go to, uh, take a few days off and then we go to Friday, Valentine's day night, Brandon. Uh-huh. Um, so I guess, I guess I'm not gonna be able to like, I'll have to watch this one at work, right? It's no, no recording this and watching it Valentine's day night. Uh, wolves play Lester. Really? That should be awesome. I mean, what a lip smacking totally like would believe any result. I would expect goals. I would certainly, I, I can't see this one being uh, – I, I expect goals on both sides. Um, I think – but this doesn't seem like a match that seems like a terrible match for Vardy. Like if you were considering dropping him I, – well, I mean it's not like Wolves are not good defensively, you know. So there's no um, – they. I mean they played okay defensively I guess in the Manionetta match. And that was – Manionetta just had no attacking threat at all. I mean, Mar- Anthony Martial is just – like a the waste of ugh, Martial. I can't believe I still have my team. Um, so yeah, so Wolves, Wolves, Lester. Uh, yeah, a fun one, I think. And I wish I had him in for this one. If I didn't have to solve some defensive problems, I would yeah. consider Vardy to him but, um, I don't know that I see that as a, a real net gain. I think they could both do about equally as well. This one. I agree. That's going to be a fun one to watch. All right. Saturday, the 15th Southampton, Burnley, the return of Danny Ings. Uh, you said it. Don't start Pope because Ings is just gonna he's gonna light him up. <laughs> I think they will do something. I thought their attack actually looked pretty solid in the Liverpool match. They're just a little unlucky that they didn't get anything um goal wise out of that one. Um and then Norwich Liverpool, which I think is uh, you know, uh th- I'm looking forward to that one too. I think they could be entertaining, <laughs> I think. I, I think Norwich score. That would be my my one prediction, Brennan. I think well, that was the that was the very opening fixture of this entire season. Was That's right, Jeez, Norwich. Uh, right, 
the reverse fixture and it was four one uh at Anfield. Van Dyke scored the first goal. Ariki, Sala, and then Puki scored as well. So um, it was a great advertisement of things to come, but yeah, that's. I, I just I was re- forget that this these were all reverses of the game week one matches, and so that um, I just I was thinking ahead of the Chelsea Man United match on Monday, which is a reverse of Man United won four nil over Chelsea, and um, yeah, just a weird. I don't know that told us nothing in the end uh, about <laughs> right. either team. Um, I think just yeah. just back on the Southampton point, I th- our friend Dave tweeted. Uh, I think he retweeted this, Josh. Um, that there is a, a month in every season in which Southampton are a top three side and Hassenhudel appears yeah. to have made some sort of devilish pact where they yeah. just, they do look exceptional right now. Yeah, he seems like a really solid manager. I think um, hey, he's not overloaded with, with, like, with a ton of talent on that team and it seems like he's, he's really figured out how to even Shea Adams, when he comes off the bench now, feels like he plays with like some real intensity. And um, yeah, he's got them all like pulling in the same direction, it seems like. Yeah, right. Um, all right. So yeah, the Norwich Liverpool, I mean, we're both going to captain Mo Salah, right? There's no yes, question about that. 100%. One, yeah. No yep. problem. Uh, and yeah, I'm hoping Firmino does something in that one too. Uh, then Sunday we have Aston Villa Spurs. Uh, should be a fun match. A little bit like uh, Leicester Wolves, where um, I just... A, a fun match for a neutral, you know, like just like if, if someone was like, if, if you wanted to introduce somebody to the Premier League for the first time, showing them Wolves, Leicester or Villa Spurs, I think those would be just because you, you really don't know who's going to win either one of those two matches. Right. And so it's a real like, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I, I mean, that's like an advertisement for the best of the Premier League, but I just think both matches could be a lot of fun, you know, like the yeah. goals if they're and, just kind yeah. of interested in the general Birmingham area of England, <laughs> right, uh, right. then they will love either of those two fixtures. <laughs> but, and also yeah. the, the connection that Grealish has been linked to Spurs many times. You'd think that he would have some interest in, in showing Spurs mm. what he's all about during this yeah. match. Interesting. Uh, and then uh, Arsenal, Newcastle, Ugh. Who even knows what to think about Arsenal? Uh, Newcastle, I'm feeling better about it. It's not like I think they're good, but I think yeah. that they're. Um, I, I could see Newcastle keeping a clean sheet in this one. I mean, it's possible. I, I don't know. I will yeah. give my one and only score prediction here, and it's one nil to the Arsenal, and it will be off of a off of a Saka goal in the 86th minute. <laughs> okay, I like that. It's very very specific. Uh, and then Monday, you know, so do you have President's Day off, Brandon, by the way? I, I do. Yes, I do. I, I do too. And uh, we, we have to make this a black horse meetup. Oh, my. Yeah. Chelsea, Man United. Uh, there's like, I don't even know who's going to have any of these managers in fantasy uh, for this one. So it's almost a pure watch uh, to end this long game week. Uh, but yeah, I think, um, I don't know. I don't actually, that's a kind of tricky one to predict. I, I suppose I would expect... Chelsea to win this one I, I just a weird I, I, how did Rudiger get two goals and <laughs> and then Yuri Mina scored two goals too it's just, just just a weird game week yeah. absolutely ridiculous they're sucking all the goals out of the uh the forward lineups and I'll go into the defenders and then you know the the insult to end all insults is that Theo Walcott got a goal in game week 25 so <laughs> yeah geez yeah all, all the times all of us have had him over the years nothing right. to show for it so I don't even know I, I'm not gonna not that we're in the prediction game anyway but uh I I guess I'll probably I probably still have Anthony Martial for this match uh 
in some ways it could be a match that he could do okay because there's a chance yeah. they could score some goals in the break. I mean, the Zminiana team just really can't score without without uh, Marcus Rashford. I mean, it's it, it's his like legend is only going to grow the longer he's up because you realize that he's the key to this whole team. You know, it's, it's <laughs> you know, I mean, there's so much better with him. Well, he, he's neck and neck with Scott McTominay in terms of uh, the longer he's yeah. away, the greater he becomes. Yeah, that's true. Actually, uh, McTominay, yeah, McTominay had, was having a really good. I mean, everyone talks about Fred, but I mean, it's like sometimes it feels like he's like not playing with anybody else. You know, it's like yeah, he has like amazing runs, but it's like nothing comes from them you know i don't know like wait people are talking about fred like he's good yes this is a thing uh, yeah that is shocking to me <laughs> uh all right well on that note uh that's the, <laughs> uh that's the end of the podcast thank you for listening uh good luck over the next uh, couple of weeks uh you can visit uh just one more time yeah if you'd like to support the podcast say thank you um you can do it a couple different ways brennan will talk about reviews in a second here but you can uh, go to patreon.com slash always cheating to support the podcast and you get access to a bonus podcast each week uh you get access to uh our our slack channel where you can talk to people about all kinds of different things um you get access to our league and lots of other stuff so uh patreon.com slash always cheating is where you can do that um and uh brandon can you say thank you to our patreon producers please i would love to say thank you to our friends trevor ingerson mike DePetro, chris howell andy penn chris carter martin savage brian t the big gaffer bobas coon jeff husby ben grant james holland jazz binning dave wagner lodal nick Wright, jim payne brian chin Blair Jacobson, Frederick Kean Gransky, Travis West, Alan Creasy, Victor Forberg Skoging, Paul Herzig, Kaya Christine Lelang, Stian Niehaus, Barry McGuire, Peter Bodechtel, Andy Portlock, Toothless Gibbon, Andy Martin, Lindsay Rostel, Anton Markov, FPLmerch.com, and James Conroy. And as Josh mentioned, if Patreon is not your thing, you can always support the podcast through rating and reviewing Always Cheating wherever you subscribe. Leave us a five-star review or whatever on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast. We're available wherever podcasts are available. Also, give us a follow on social media. Josh, speaking of availability, where are we on the social? We're available. Uh, we're uh, twitter.com slash hail cheaters. Uh, Instagram, we're at hail cheaters as well. Facebook is facebook.com slash always cheating. You can email us hail cheaters at gmail.com. Uh, we've had lots of nice emails, just people saying thank you uh, the last couple of weeks. And uh, those are always uh, nice and cheering to get. So thank you for uh, people who have sent those. Uh, you can also visit the website uh, www.alwayscheating.com. Brennan, that www says for World Wide Web, in case you didn't know that. So uh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Through www, you can unlock a, not just a world, but a universe of information. So I'd highly yeah. encourage you to check out that domain, www. Anything. You can put it put it any words you can think of, probably, yeah. Brandon. Sure. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you for listening. Hail Cheaters. Hail Poku. Hail. I don't even know. Who, who, Brandon, who should we hail? Who's the last person that should get hailed on this week's podcast? Uh, let's hail, gosh, you, you kind of threw me a curveball here. Let's hail Ings. I feel like Ings, right, uh, you he know, he's, it. Yeah. There's, a, there's a certain amount of shirtless talisman energy that I think we need from Ings. So let's go, Ings. All right, let's go, Ings. All right, bye.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.